Act Three of The Vegetable by F. Scott Fitzgerald. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Three. Now we're back at the Frost's house, and it's a week after the events narrated in Act One. It is about nine o'clock in the morning and through the open windows the sun is shining in great, brave squares upon the carpet. The jars, the glasses, the files of a certain memorable night have been removed, but there is an air about the house quite inconsistent with the happy day outside, an air of catastrophe, a profound gloom that seems to have settled even upon the library of wit and humor in the dingy bookcase. There is brooding going on upon the premises. A quick tat-tat-tat from outdoors, the clatter of someone running up the porch steps. The door opens, and Doris comes in, Doris in a yellowish skirt with a knit jersey to match, Doris chewing, faintly and delicately, what can surely be no more than a sheer wisp of gum. Doris calling, Charlotte, a voice broken and dismal from upstairs. Is that you, Doris? Yeah, can I come up? The voice. It's Charlotte's. You'd scarcely have recognized it. I'll come down. Heard anything from Jerry? Not a word. Doris regards herself silently, but with interest, in a small mirror on the wall. In comes Charlotte, and oh, how changed from herself of last week. Her nose and eyes are red from weeping. She's chastened and depressed. Doris, with cheerful pessimism, haven't heard a word, eh? Charlotte, lugubriously. No, not one. Doris impressed in spite of herself. Son of a gun! And he sneaked away a week ago tonight. It was that awful liquor, I know. He sat up all night and in the morning he was gone. It's the funniest thing I ever heard of, his sneaking off this way. Say, Charlotte, I've been meaning to say something to you for a couple of days, but I didn't want you to get depressed. How could I possibly be any more depressed than I am? Well, I just wanted to ask you if you'd tried the morgue yet. Charlotte gives a little scream. Wait a minute. Get control of yourself. I simply think you ought to try it. If he's anywhere, you ought to locate him. Charlotte, wildly. Oh, he's not dead. He's not dead. I didn't say he was, did I? I didn't say he was. But when a fellow wanders out tight after drinking some of this stuff, you can't tell where you'll find him. Let me tell you, Charlotte, I've had more experience with this sort of thing than you have. The detective is coming to report this morning. Has he been combing the dives? You ought to have him comb the dives, Charlotte. I saw a picture last week that ought to be a lesson to any woman that loses her husband in a funny way like this. The woman in this picture lost her husband, and she just combed the dives, and there he was. Charlotte, suspiciously. What was he doing? Some vampire was sitting on his lap in a cafe. Charlotte moans. But it does show that if you do have the dives combed, you can find him. That's what this woman did. There's where most men go when they wander out like that. Oh no, Jerry wouldn't go to the dives, or the morgue either. He's never drank or done anything like that till that night. 
he's always been so mild and patient this is a new note from charlotte doris after a thoughtful pause maybe he's gone to hollywood to go in the movies they say a lot of lost men turn up there charlotte brokenly don't know what to do maybe i'm responsible he said that night he might have been the president if it hadn't been for me he'd just been analyzed and they found he was perfect well with no reflections on the dead or anything like that charlotte he wasn't so wonderful as you make out you can take it from me he never would have been anything more than a postman if you hadn't made him be a railroad clerk i'd have to dive scombed charlotte eulogistically he was a good husband you'll get over it what cheer up in a year or so you'll never know you ever had a husband charlotte bursting into tears at this but i want him back doris reminiscently do you know this song do you know this song she sings a good man is hard to find you always get the other kind and when you think that he's your friend you look around and find him scratching round some other hen she has forgotten her ethical connection and begins to enjoy the song for itself when charlotte interrupts charlotte in torture oh don't don't oh excuse me i didn't think you'd take it personally it's just about colored people oh do you suppose he's with some colored women doris scornfully no what you need is to get your mind off it for a while just say to yourself if he's in a dive he's in a dive and if he's in hollywood he's in hollywood and if he's in the morgue charlotte frantically if you say that word again i will go crazy well in that place then just say i can't do anything about it so i'm going to forget it that's what you want to say to yourself it's easy enough to say but i can't get my mind yes you can magnanimously i'll tell you about what i've been doing i've had a sort of scrap with joseph joseph who joseph fish he's that fellow i brought around here only you didn't meet him i told you about him the one i got engaged to about ten days ago his parents were in the mortuary business oh well i've been trying to make him stop chewing gum i offered to give it up if he would i think it's sort of common when two people that go together are always whacking away at the piece of gum don't you there's a ring at the doorbell that's the detective doris prudently have you got that liquor hidden i threw that horrible stuff away go let him in charlotte goes to the door and ushers in the detective the detective wears an expression of profound sagacity upon his countenance have you found him the detective impressively mrs frost i think so alive alive where is he wait be calm i've had several clues and i've been following them up one at a time and i've located a man who answers to the first name of jerry that i think is your husband where did you find him he was picked up trying to jimmy his way into a house on crest avenue good heavens yep and his name is jerry 
he had it tattooed on his arm good god but there's one thing that's different from your description what color is your husband's hair brown brown are you sure am i sure of course i'm sure the detective to doris do you collaborate that when he left here it was brown well this fellow's hair was red oh it's not jerry then it's not jerry doris to charlotte well now how do you know maybe she turns to the detective you see this fellow had been drinking some of this funny liquor you get around here sometimes and it may just have turned his hair red charlotte to the detective oh do you think so i never heard of a case like that i knew a fellow whose hair was turned white by it i knew one too what was the name of the fellow you knew did this man claim to be my husband no madam he didn't he said he had two wives out in montana but none that he knew of in these parts but of course he may have been bluffing it doesn't sound like jerry to me but you can identify him by that tattoo mark charlotte hastily oh he never had one are you sure oh yes the detective his face falling oh well then he's not our man because this fellow's tattoo marks are three years old well that's a disappointment that's a great disappointment for me i've wasted some time over this man i'd been hoping he'd do charlotte hastily oh no he wouldn't do at all i'll have to have the right man or i won't pay you well now then i've been following up another clue did your husband ever have aphasia oh no he's always been very healthy he had some skin trouble about he doesn't mean that charlotte aphasia's when a man runs off and commits murder and falls in love with a young girl under another name oh no he's never done anything like this ever before suppose you tell me exactly what did happen well i told you he'd been drinking something that had spirits of nitrogen in it spirits of nitrogen that's what the man said it was sympathetic gin that this man had persuaded jerry into buying yes and he had been talking all evening about all the things he could have done if i hadn't stood in his way he has an examination he'd just taken doris explaining a psychical examination the detective wisely i see and my sister came over with the man she's going to marry and she came up to see me and when she came down jerry was asleep in his chair well i didn't go down i wish i had now and my sister here and her fellow went away then i went to bed and it seems to me i could hear jerry talking to himself in his sleep all night i woke up about twelve and he was saying something loud and i told him to shut the door because i could smell that awful sympathetic gin way upstairs yes and that's all when i came down next morning at seven he was gone the detective rising well mrs frost if your man can be located 
i'm going to locate him have you thought of combing the dives what have you combed the dives it seems to me that i'd made the rounds of all the dives and i wouldn't be a bit surprised if you see this man with somebody sitting on his knee the detective to charlotte does he run to that charlotte hurriedly oh no oh no doris to charlotte how do you know a brisk knock at the door doris opens it eagerly admitting a small fat gray-haired man in a state of great indignation the detective to charlotte is this the pursued the man sternly you are speaking to mr pushing i employ or did employ the man who lives in this house charlotte wildly oh where is he that's what i came here to find out he hasn't been at work for a week i'm going to let him go you ought to be ashamed of yourself he may be dead dead or alive he's fired i've had him analyzed he didn't have any ambition and my analyzer gave him nothing but a row of goose eggs bah i don't care he's mine doris correcting her was mine maybe you could tell me something about his habits in business hours if you'll come along with me i'll show you his analyzed record we're having it framed contemptuously good morning he goes out the detective after a nod at charlotte and doris follows him well i should think you'd be encouraged why well that detective found a fellow that's something like him the same first name anyway that shows they're getting warm somehow it doesn't encourage me uncertain steps on the stairs dada appears wearing a battered hat and carrying a book under his arm hello dada where are you going dada hearing vague words hmm. he's going down to the library dada in spirited disagreement no you were wrong that time i'm not going to the park i'm going to the library doris sternly where do you think your son is the doris louder where do you think jerry is by this time dada to charlotte didn't you tell me he was away charlotte nods drearily dada placidly hasn't come back yet no we're having the dives combed well don't worry i remember i ran away from home once it was in eighteen forty six i wanted to go to philadelphia and see the zoo i tried to get home but they took me and locked me up doris to charlotte in the monkey house i bet dada he missed this thank god yes that's the only time i ever ran away but this is a more serious thing dada boys will be boys well it looks like a nice day charlotte to doris he doesn't care he doesn't even understand what it's all about when the detective searched his bedroom he thought it was the plumber he understands sure you do don't you dada you understand what it's all about don't you dada dada aggravatingly the oh let him go he makes me nervous maybe he could think out some place where jerry's gone he's supposed to think so much well good afternoon i think i'll go down to the library dada goes out by the front door listen charlotte 
i was going to tell you about joseph to get your mind off yourself don't you remember yes i've gotten sort of tired of him honestly i ought to get myself psychoanalyzed why don't you throw him over then you ought to know how by this time of course having been unlucky in your own marriageable experience you aren't in a position to judge what i should do do you love him well not not especially then throw him over i would except for one thing you see it'd be sort of hard no it wouldn't yes it would it wouldn't be any cinch why well you see i've been married to him for three days charlotte astounded what that isn't very long but you see in marriage every day counts well then you can't throw him over it's next to impossible i guess was it a secret marriage yes there was nobody there but i and joseph and the fellow that did it and i'm still living at home you see this girl that joe was keeping waiting to see whether he was going to marry me or not got impatient and said she couldn't be kept waiting any longer it made her sort of nervous she couldn't eat her meals so you got married and now you're tired of him no not exactly that but it just sort of makes me uncomfortable charlotte to know that you can't throw over the man you've got without causing a lot of talk suppose he took to drink or something you know everybody can't get rid of their husbands as easy as you did one husband was always enough for me one may be all right for you charlotte because you are a monographist but supposing rodolph valentino or the prince of wales or john d rockefeller was to walk in here and say doris i've worshipped you from a distance on account of the picture that you sent to the fame and fortune contest of the movie magazine that got left out by accident or lost or something will you marry me what would you say charlotte i'd say no i'd say give me back my jerry would you let having a husband stand in the way of your life's happiness i tell you i wouldn't i'd say to joe you run up to the store and buy a bag of peanuts and come back in about twenty years i would charlotte if i could marry douglas fairbanks i'd get rid of joseph in some peaceful way if i could but if i couldn't i'd give him some glass cough drops without a minute's hesitation doris and i told joseph so too this marriage business is all right for narrow-minded people i like to be where I can throw over a fellow when it gets to be necessary. If you had Jerry, you wouldn't feel that way. Why, can't you see, Charlotte? That's the way Jerry must have felt. Charlotte, overcome, rises to go. And Charlotte, I don't want to depress you, but if he is, if it turns out that he's in the mo in that place, I know where you can get some simply stunning mourning for— Charlotte begins to weep why what's the matter i just thought it'd cheer you up to know you could get it cheap you'll have to watch your money you know charlotte hurries from the room i wonder what's the matter with her joseph fish outside oh doris doris goes to the window how did you know i was here fish outside they told me at your house can i come in yes but don't holler around so haven't you got any respect for the missing fish comes in doris i'm awfully sorry about oh joseph haven't you got any sense 
sitting there last night everything was perfect and just when i was feeling sentimental you began talking about embalming in the twilight and i was just about to take out my removable bridge i'm sorry have they found your sister's husband yet no has he gone away permanently or for good we don't know we're having the dives combed listen has anyone in your family ever had aphasia what's that where you go off and fall in love with girls and don't know what you're doing i think my uncle had that sort of dazed well sort of when there was any women around he got sort of dazed doris thoughtfully i wonder if you could inherit a thing from your uncle she removes her gum secretly what are you chewing joe oh uh, just an old piece of something i found in my mouth it's gum i thought i asked you not to chew gum it doesn't look clean cut for a man to be chewing gum you haven't got any sense of what's nice joseph see here suppose i was at a reception and went up to mrs astor or mrs vanderbilt or somebody like this she replaces her own gum in her mouth she needs it for her imitation how do you do mrs vanderbilt chew chew what do you think she'd say do you think she'd stand it not for a minute well when i start going with mrs vanderbilt will be plenty of time to stop from outside is heard the sound of a metallic whistle a melodious call in c major what's that don't ask me it's pretty it must be some kind of bird the whistle is repeated it is nearer there it is again doris goes to the window it's only the postman i never heard a postman with a whistle like that he must be a new one on this beat that's too bad the old one used to give me my mail wherever i met him even if he was four or five blocks from my house the sound again just outside the door now i'll let him in she goes to the door and opens it the figure of the new postman is outlined in the doorway against the morning sky it is jerry frost but for a particular reason neither doris nor joseph fish recognize him he is utterly changed in this gray uniform his once flabby figure appears firm, erect, even defiant. His chin is up, the office stoop has gone. When he speaks, his voice is full of confidence, with perhaps a touch of scorn at the conglomerate weaknesses of humanity. Good morning. Would you like some mail? Doris, taken somewhat aback. Why, sure, I guess so. It's a nice morning out. You two ought to be out walking fish blankly huh is this number two one two seven if it is i've got a good-looking lot of mail for you doris with growing interest what do you mean a good-looking lot of mail what do i mean why well, i mean it's got variety of course rummaging in his bag i got eight letters for you say you're new on this beat aren't you yes i'm new but i'm good he produces a handful of letters. I'm the best one they ever had. How do you know? Did they tell you? No, I just feel it. I know my job. I can give any other mailman stamps and postcards and beat him with bundles. I'm just naturally good. I don't know why. 
I never heard of a mailman being good. They're mostly all good. Some professions anybody can get into them, like business or politics, for instance. But you take postmen. They're like angels. They sort of pick them out. Witheringly. They not only pick them out, they select them. Fish, fascinated. And you're the best one? Jerry, modestly. Yes, I'm the best one they ever had. He looks over the letters. Now here's what I call a clever ad. Delivered a lot of these this morning. Children like them, you know. They're from the carpet company. Let's see it. He takes the ad eagerly. Isn't that a nice little thing? And I got two bills for you here. I'll hide those, though. Still, maybe you want to clear up all your accounts. Some people like to get bills. The old lady next door wanted to get hers. I gave her three, and you think they were checks. Anyways, these two don't look very big from the outside, anyhow. But of course you can't tell from the outside. Let me see them. Let me see them, too. They squabble mildly over the bills. The thing is for everybody in the house to write what they guess is the amount of the bill on the outside of the envelope. And then when you open the envelope, the one who guessed the closest has to pay the bill. Or he could get a prize? Something like that. He winks at Doris. And here's a couple of postcards. They're sort of pretty ones. This one's the Union Station at Buffalo. Let me see it. And this one says Xmas greetings. It's four months late. To Doris. I guess these are for you. No, they're for my sister. Well, I haven't read what's written on the back. I'll never do. I hope it's good news. Doris inspecting the backs. No, they're from an aunt or something. Anything else? Yes, here's one more. I think it's one of the neatest letters I've had this morning. Now, isn't that a cute letter? I call that a cute letter. He weighs it in his hand and smells it. Smell it. It does smell good. It's a perfume ad. Say, that sure does smell good. Well, I've done pretty well by you this morning. Maybe you got a letter for me. No, there's none today. Funny thing. I came near leaving that pink letter with a little girl down the street who looked as if she needed one pretty bad. I thought that maybe it was really meant for her and just had the wrong name and address on by mistake. It would have tickled her. I get tempted to leave mail where it really ought to go instead of where it's addressed to. Mail ought to go to people who appreciate it. It's hard on a postman, especially when he's the best one they ever had. I guess it must be. Yeah, it must be tough. They are both obviously fascinated. Well, there's somebody in this house who needs to write letters something awful. If you get one that looks as if it might do for her, you could leave it by here. Is that so? Well, that's too bad. I'll certainly keep that in mind. The next one I think will do. I'll leave it by here. Thanks. I've got one of these special delivery love letters for a go around the corner, and I want to hurry up and give it to her so as to see her grin when she gets it. It's for Miss Doris. Doris interrupting. That's me. Give it to me now. Sure. Say, this is lucky. He starts to hand it to her. Say, listen. Why are you like a stenographer? Me? Yes. I don't know. Why? Because I say to you, take a letter. <laughs> Fish, wildly amused. <laughs> Jerry, with some satisfaction. That's a good one, isn't it? I made that one up this morning. <laughs> Joseph, I asked you to have some respect for the missing. To Jerry. 
you see there's a fella missing here and it's his wife that needs the letter fish jealously who's your letter from doris reading it it's from my lost fiance it says he didn't mean to drink the perfume but the label was off the bottle and he thought it was bay rum my god will you forgive him don't worry my boy bay rum or perfume he killed a love with the first swallow he goes toward the door good-bye i'll try to find that letter for the lady here that needs it so bad good-bye and thanks let me open the door he opens the door jerry goes out doris and fish stare at each other isn't he wonderful he's a peach of a fellow but i know what you're going to say that you've seen him somewhere before i'm trying to think where maybe he's been in the movies i think it's that he looks like some fella i was engaged to once he's some mailman the nicest one i ever saw isn't he for you by far say charlie chaplin's down at the bijou i don't like him i think he's vulgar let's go and see if there's anything artistic fish makes an indistinguishable frightened noise what's the matter i've swallowed my gum it ought to teach you a moral they go out charlotte comes in drearily she glances first eagerly then listlessly at the letters and throws them aside cling the doorbell she starts violently runs to open it it is that astounding product of our constitution mr snooks charlotte in horror oh what do you want snooks affably come on and lady is your husband around no what have you done with him you beast snooks surprised say what's biting you lady my husband was all right until you came here with that poison what have you done with him where is he what did you give him to drink tell me or i'll scream for the police tell me tell me lady i ain't seen your husband you lie you know my husband has run away snooks interested say now has he i had a hunch he would sooner or later you made him you told him to that night after i went out of the room you suggested it to him you never have thought of it lady you got me wrong then where is he if i'm wrong find him snooks after a short consideration have you tried the morgue oh don't say that word oh he ain't in the morgue probably some jane's got hold of him she'll send him home when she gets all his dough he isn't a bruce like you he's been kidnapped maybe he's joined the marine corps howsoever if he ain't here i guess i'll be moving on what do you want of him now do you want to sell him some more wood alcohol lady i don't handle no wood alcohol but i found a way of getting the grain alcohol out of iodine and practically eliminating the poison just leaves a faint brownish tinge go away all right i'll beat it so he beats it charlotte's getting desperate from such encounters with gathering nervousness she wanders about the room 
almost collapsing when she comes upon one of Jerry's coats hanging behind a door. Scarcely aware of what she's doing, she puts on the coat and buttons it close, as if imagining that Jerry is holding her to him in the brief and half-forgotten season of their honeymoon. Outside, a storm has come up. It has grown dark suddenly, and a faint drum of thunder lengthens into a cataract of doom. A louder rolling now, and a great snake of lightning is seen in the sky. Charlotte, lonesome and frightened, hurriedly closes the windows. Then, in sudden panic, she runs to the phone. Summit three to five three. Hello, this is me. This is Charlotte. Um, is Doris there? Do you know where she is? Well, if she comes in, tell her to run over. Everything's getting dark and I'm frightened. Yes, maybe somebody will come in, but nobody goes out in a storm like this. Even the policeman on the corner has gotten under a tree. Well, I'll be all right. I'm just lonesome, I guess, and scared. Goodbye. She rings off and stands silently by the table. The storm reaches its height. Simultaneously with a terrific burst of thunder that sets the windows rattling, the front door blows open suddenly, letting in a heavy gust of rain. Charlotte is on the verge of hysterics. Then there is a whistle outside, the bright, mellow whistle of the postman. She springs up, clasping her hands together. Jerry comes in, covered with a rain cape, dripping water. The hood of the cape partially conceals his face. Jerry, cheerfully. Well, it certainly is a rotten day. Charlotte, starting at the voice. It's awful. But I heard there was a lady here that was expecting a letter. And I had one that I thought would do, so no rain or anything could keep me from delivering it. Charlotte, greedily. A letter for me? Let me have it. He hands it to her, and she tears it open. It's from Jerry. She reads it quickly. Is it what you wanted? Charlotte, aloud, but to herself. It doesn't say where he is. It just says that he's well and comfortable and that he's doing what he wants to do and what he's got to do. And he says that doing his work makes him happy. With suspicion. I wonder if he's in some dive. If I wrote him a letter, do you think you could find him with it, Mr. Postman? Yes, I can find him. I want to tell him that if he'll come home, I won't nag him any more. That I won't try to change him and that I won't fuss at him for being poor. I'll tell him that. Charlotte, again talking to herself. I was trying to nag him into something, I guess. Before we were married, I always thought there must be some sort of mysterious, brave things he did when he wasn't with me. I thought that maybe sometimes he'd sneak away to hunt bears. But when he'd sneak away, it was just to roll dice for cigars down at the corner. It was in forests. It was just toothpicks. Suppose that he was nothing but a postman now. Like me. I'll be proud of him if he's a postman, because I know he always wanted to be one. He'd be the best postman in the world, and there is something kind of exciting about being the best. It wasn't so much that I wanted him to be rich, I guess, but I wanted him to do something he wouldn't always be beat at. I was sort of glad he got drunk that night. It was about the first exciting thing he ever did. You never would have told him that. Charlotte, stiffening. I should say I wouldn't off. Jerry rises. I'll try to get him here at six o'clock. I'll be waiting. Quickly. Tell him to stop by a store and get some rubbers. I'll tell him. Goodbye. Goodbye. Jerry goes out into the rain, 
Charlotte sits down and bows her head upon the table. Again there are steps on the porch. This time it is Dada, who comes in, closing a dripping umbrella. Dada, as one who has passed through a great crisis. I, I borrowed an umbrella from a man at the library. Charlotte, in a muffled voice. Jerry's coming back. Is he? A man at the library was kind enough to lend me his umbrella. He goes over to the bookcase and begins an unsuccessful search for the scriptures. Plaintively, Someone has hidden my Bible. In the second shelf. He finds it. As he pulls it from its place, several other books come with it and tumble to the floor. After a glance at Charlotte, he kicks them under the bookcase. Then, with his Bible under his arm, he starts for the stairs but is attracted by something bright on the first stair, and attempts, unsuccessfully, to pick it up. Hello, here's a nail that looks like a ten-cent piece. He goes upstairs. When he is halfway up, there is a sound as if he had slipped back a notch, then silence. Charlotte, raising her head. Are you all right, Dada? No answer. Dada is heard to resume his climb. Oh... I could only sleep till six o'clock. The storm has blown away, and the sun is out and streaming in the window, washing the ragged carpet with light. From the street there comes once again, faint now and far away, the mellow note of the postman's whistle. Charlotte, lifting her arms rapturously. The best postman in the world! Curtain. End of Act Three. End of The Vegetable by F. Scott Fitzgerald